Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. Have you ever Googled your home address with Google Maps Street View feature? I did a while back, and the most recent picture of our apartment building was taken in 2019. And that's Lisa, my wife, and me in front. No, not true. I have no idea who that is. But it's kind of cool and slightly creepy. I mean, who is that staring in our windows? (laughs) Uh, There's even a time travel feature where you can see the picture of your home from years ago. I I clicked one of the first pictures Google Maps ever captured of our building back in 2011. And there's that same couple. I'm kidding. (laughs) I I did discover something interesting, though, about this time travel feature. People are using it to try to hold on to something or someone from their past that was captured by one of Google's cameras. A Twitter post by a woman named Sherry in the UK racked up thousands of likes when she posted this. I look at my mom's old house on Google Maps Street View, the house where I grew up. It says, image captured May 2009. Then she goes on to write, there is a light on in her bedroom. It is still her house. She is still alive. I am still visiting every few months, Sherry. It's kind of heartwarming and sad at the same time, isn't it? And I think it also speaks to this longing we have inside of us to somehow extend life beyond this life. The writer of Ecclesiastes tells us that God has planted eternity in the human heart. God has planted eternity in the human heart. That longing for transcendence or eternity is God-given. It's part of our DNA. In this series, we are exploring I am statements made by Jesus in the fourth book of the New Testament, written by one of his closest disciples, John. And through these statements, Jesus tells us a lot about himself and the kind of eternal life he offers us. Uh, Near the end of the book, John articulates his purpose for writing his book. He writes, These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John's purpose for recording his account of Jesus' life is our purpose for this series. You see, we believe these I am statements will help us better understand who Jesus is and more fully experience life in his name. It's what we call the U plus life, a a life of meaningful connection to God, his people, and the world. It's a full life that can only be experienced when we follow Jesus. So, Let me begin by setting the scene for today's I Am statement. It comes in a story about three siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Uh, We find the story in John chapter 11, and we're going to kind of go verse by verse through this chapter. So if you have a Bible app or uh, on your smartphone, you have a way to access Scripture or even a hard copy of the Bible, you can follow along. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Uh, Lazarus and his sisters were in Jesus' close friend group. So with their brother lying on his deathbed, the sisters, they send word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, this seems to be a not so subtle request for Jesus to come and heal their brother in the same way they'd seen him heal other people. Then John adds a curious detail when he says this, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he 
stayed where he was two more days. So Jesus waits two whole days before setting off for their home. And John just made it sure that we know that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So what gives? I mean, why the delay? And I mean, wouldn't this delay cause you to question how much these friends really mean to Jesus? Well, the truth is, even if Jesus had left immediately, Lazarus would have still been dead upon his arrival. The journey from where Jesus was to Bethany was about 20 miles, a day's journey by foot. So if he waited two days and the journey took at least another day, it's no surprise that we read that on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. If Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days, then from a human standpoint, there's no way Jesus could have made it before he died. Actually, Lazarus may have died before Jesus was even told that he was sick. But even so, if you put yourself in Mary and Martha's shoes, that delay would have been hurtful, right? I mean, why not come right away? Uh, Lazarus was either very sick or dead. So why wasn't there more urgency on the part of Jesus? But don't we often struggle when Jesus doesn't show up quickly when we're going through tough stuff? I mean, I can think of times when I've prayed and prayed and prayed for an answer or some direction, but never seemed to get it, or at least never got it as clearly or as quickly as I thought I should get it. There have been times when I've prayed for healing for a friend or a family member, and it just didn't seem to happen. I've prayed for a relationship to be reconciled. It took decades. Now, that wasn't what I wanted or asked for. How about you? Ever feel angry or heartbroken when it seems like Jesus just isn't coming through for you? As hard as it is to accept, I I think what we'll see in this story is that sometimes there's just more going on than we can fully comprehend. As writer James Baldwin once said, the Lord never seems to get there when you want him, but when he arrives, he's always right on time. And when Jesus finally arrives in Bethany, well, the first person he encounters is Martha, who went out to meet him on the road. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Now, some people hear Martha blaming Jesus for not showing up on time. And I suppose that's possible, but she's also making a statement about her faith. When she says, if you had been here, isn't she making it clear what she thinks Jesus could have done had he been there? So you see, even in her grief, Martha still believes in Jesus' power. But apparently, she doesn't believe enough to ask him to bring Lazarus back to life. Now, we will see, she had no thought of a resurrection. And so I wonder if Martha is the kind of person who engages life mostly with her head. She knows who Jesus is and is committed to her beliefs. And if you're a Martha type, you may be quite sure of who Jesus is but maybe you've lost some hope in what he can actually do. You see, I think Martha had lost some hope. And who could blame her? Lazarus had been dead for four days. 
And so their conversation continues. And Jesus says to Martha, uh, your brother will rise again. And she replies, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. See, nothing is shaken Martha's ultimate hope, right? But she is less than confident she will see the goodness of God in the here and now. You ever feel that way? You believe in Jesus. And you know, someday you will be with him forever. But when it comes to what you're going through right now, that's where you wonder if he'll really come through for you. In the spring of 2020, I went through one of the most difficult times of my life personally. I'd been working uh, pretty hard for a long time and out of what seemed like nowhere, I just, I mean, I hit a wall. Uh, tasks that in the past were a no-brainer were now just overwhelming. Uh, leading meetings and developing new strategies, that's what I loved, but not anymore. I mean, every day I, I, I kind of felt like I was walking through quicksand. In the past, I always felt like I could kick it into fifth gear when I needed to, but now I couldn't even find fifth gear. And I got to tell you, it was scary. It was discouraging. And even though I still love God, believed in God, I, I just could not see how he was coming through for me. I think I felt like Martha. And for Martha types, I, I think we try to stay rational. You know, keep your expectations low. Don't hope for too much. Trust in Jesus for the future, but, you know, don't expect much in the present. And see, what I love is I think Jesus looked at Martha and he knew she needed a resurrection of her own. And so he connects with her in a way that worked for her up here. And he gives her a bit of a theology lesson. Check it out. Jesus said to her, and here it is, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And in this powerful I am statement, you see, Jesus meets Martha in her head to help reach her heart. And he reminds her that her belief in him is not just for her future, but also for her present. And the hope she needs right now is standing right in front of her. Well, not only does Martha have an encounter with Jesus, her sister Mary does as well. After she, Martha, had, had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Notice that Martha came running out to see Jesus. But Jesus asks to see Mary because she stays home. And it makes me wonder, maybe in Mary's despair, was it just hard for her to even get out of bed that morning? I mean, it's not hard to imagine that in the midst of her grief, she was weary, simply wanting to be left alone. And maybe you've experienced that yourself. Uh, those moments or seasons when life has dealt you heartbreaking news or Maybe a time when you experienced something just so devastating, you had to retreat, pull back. You didn't have the energy to be around anyone. And I wonder if this was the case with Mary. But when Jesus calls for her, she gets up and rushes out to meet him. And then John tells us, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Sound familiar? 
Yeah, she echoes the words of her sister from just moments before. Uh, the same words, yes, but not the same actions, not the same response. There's a, a difference between Mary's response and Martha's response. You see, Mary makes no attempt to put her game face on. I mean, when she sees Jesus, she falls at his feet in despair. And I think Jesus looked at Mary and knew she needed something very different from Martha. See, I think Mary represents the person who's a little more tenderhearted and almost always feels deeply. And if Martha approached life with her head, I think Mary approached life with her heart. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you know what it's like to quickly feel what others feel. Often it's not only your own sadness that gets to you, it's the sadness of others that you also feel. And notice Jesus doesn't offer Mary a theological truth like he offered her sister. No, Jesus offers Mary his tears, his heart. John records it like this. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And in that shortest verse in all of Scripture, we read that Jesus wept. Jesus cried. Can you imagine for a moment what it was like when Mary saw tears welling up in the eyes of Jesus? And, and I can't help but wonder, did, did Jesus try to wipe his own tears away? In his humanity, was he tempted to you know, kind of maintain his composure? Did Mary maybe even pretend not to see his tears? I mean, a grown man crying in public, especially a highly respected rabbi, I mean, that had to be unusual. But what incredible comfort that must have brought to her to know that he felt what she felt and he wept as she wept. And you know what? He does the same right alongside you. The writer of Psalms reminds us the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. As Jesus approaches the tomb of his friend, John tells us that once again, he is deeply moved. He asks that the stone that was placed at the entrance of the tomb be taken away. But Martha, continuing to be her utilitarian self, says, well, by this time, there's a bad odor for he's been there four days. My, my favorite translation of Martha's words comes from the King James Version. It reads like this, Martha saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh. <laughs> uh, after this exchange with Martha, the stone that blocked the entrance of the tomb was rolled away. Jesus looks to the heavens and in a loud voice cries out, Lazarus, come out. The dead man stirs awake and stumbles out of the dark tomb and into the light of life, and there is great rejoicing. I mean, can you imagine the celebration? Their dead brother and friend had come back to life. Now, the irony is that Lazarus' resurrection will lead to Jesus' death. Yeah, this miracle, it was the final straw that convinced those with power that Jesus was too big of a threat. He had to go. Uh, but that'll be tomorrow's trouble. On this day, there was great rejoicing for Lazarus was dead, but is now alive. He was resurrected. 
But you know, I, I think Mary and Martha were resurrected too. As Lazarus breathed fresh breaths, the future burst into the present. The end of time arrived into the middle of time. Jesus was no longer just their hope for the future, you see. He was now their hope for the present. Scholar N.T. Wright says, Jesus has not just come, as we sometimes say or saying, from heaven to earth. It is equally true to say that he has come from God's future into the present, into the mess and muddle of the world we know. And what Jesus said to Martha, he says to Mary, and he says to Lazarus, and he says to you, and he says to me, I am the resurrection and the life. See, resurrection is not just an idea, a concept, or a doctrine. Resurrection is a person, Jesus. Jesus. And my guess is that every one of us today can probably smell the stench of hopelessness lingering in some area of your life. And it stinks, doesn't it? You might even say it stinketh. (laughs) And we laugh only to keep from crying, right? I I don't know what it is for you today, but maybe there's a relationship that you would say is dead or at best on life support. You have given it everything you can possibly give but it seems hopeless. It might be that for you, when it comes to your career and life's pursuits, you had all sorts of aspirations and dreams. You've worked hard, paid your dues, but right now it feels like you're at a dead end. For some, it may be a health concern that is persisting or a nagging financial challenge or or maybe even an addiction that feels like it's slowly killing you. Whatever it might be, I want you to know that Lazarus was dead and gone. Four days in the tomb. There is nothing deader than a body in a tomb for four days. And if Jesus can raise a dead and buried Lazarus after four days in the tomb, I'm telling you, he can breathe life into your broken relationships. He can bring new hope to your life's dream. And he can renew in your body what seems to be in rapid decay. Theologian Marianne Meyer Thompson says, Lazarus represents all who are given life by the one who has and gives life. Jesus raising Lazarus to life is the climactic sign of Jesus' life-giving power. And that is our hope. It might not look like you thought it would look. It might not feel like you thought it would feel. We got to leave that to Jesus because he is in the business of bringing dead stuff back to life. Just ask our friend Mike Verbeck. My name is Michael Verbeck. I've been attending community for eight years with my wife and family. I was uh, on my way to the gym. I was brushing my teeth and I felt sick to my stomach. And then I passed out and fell on the floor. Uh, My daughter found me and she called my wife and then they called 911 and they rushed me to the hospital. I went through numerous surgeries uh, from having coils and shunts put in my head to stabilize the condition of the aneurysm because I had totally ruptured my artery in my head. For eight months, I did not know really that I was uh, even alive. My wife had a lot of hope that I would recover, but the doctors kept saying, don't, don't have hope because you're gonna have to find a nursing home for him because he's never gonna get better. She prayed. And she said, you know, God, um, make him better. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said, he will get better in a year. 
he will have a full recovery in a year. If you think about it, there was no reason to have hope. And I think the only thing that they could draw hope from was God. Through this whole thing, you know, Jesus was with me every step of the way. He was with my family. The Holy Spirit was there. They were helping us. Just, uh, it's kind of hard. Um, they have to have a hard reset to realize it. The, the culmination of all of this was me coming back to life, so to speak, and really understanding more and more about what journey I was on. So I looked at baptism as a way for me to say to God, um, I'm really all in, God. I mean, I, I, everything you've done for me has been amazing. So I'm all in. I don't know where we're going. Still chokes me up a little bit, but um, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where you're taking me, but wherever you're taking me, I'm going. And my baptism day was a, a really big day because my family rallied around me and they were able to really come and participate in my baptism, my wife and kids. There was a lot of weight on my shoulders before I was baptized, like everything that I've experienced, all the uh, things that I had done in my life. To me, when I hit the water and came up out of the water, they were washed away from me. God will help you. He will listen to you. He will hear your prayers and he will help you uh, with even the smallest of things. Sometimes that prayer doesn't get answered the way that you want it to because it's in God's time and we have to understand that. And sometimes it's very, very hard to understand that. Uh, I know it is from my perspective, but I'm learning that he, God has a plan for me and I'm just helping execute that plan uh, and I'm trying to do the best I can do as a, you know, as a man, as a father, as a husband, that I can while I'm still here. I don't know what feels dead in your life right now. I don't know what hard things you're walking through. But my prayer in this moment is that both your head and your heart can hear the hope in Jesus' words. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So if you are in need of a resurrection of some kind today, I just want to ask you if you would put your hands out like this as an indication of your willingness to, to receive what God offers you today. And then I want to pray over you, okay? So if you're in need of a resurrection, would you go ahead and if you need hope, just put your hands out like this. And if it helps to close your eyes to focus, that's fine. But just keep your hands out like this as I pray. Father God, we come to you in this moment holding whatever it is in our lives that feels dead right now. Uh, Lord, we bring it to you. We offer it to you. We believe in your power, Jesus. We believe in your ability to bring dead things back to life. And so we put our hope in you. Would you breathe in us fresh breaths of life, fresh breaths of hope, fresh breaths of resurrection. Thank you, Father, for meeting us where we are and being just who we need. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. 
Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take a next step in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.